Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. She spoke, not elegantly, but with unmistakable clarity. She said, I ask no favor for my sex. All I ask of our brethren is that they take their feet off our necks. Welcome back to Strict Scrutiny, your podcast about the Supreme Court and the legal culture that surrounds it. We're your hosts. I'm Melissa Murray. I'm Leah Littman. And I'm Kate Shaw. And this is another Texas-inspired emergency episode because we have got some news breaking from the Supreme Court. So Leah, do you want to tee it up? Sure. So on Friday morning, the Supreme Court announced that it would grant review in the two cases concerning SB8, both in the case involving the United States lawsuit against Texas, as well as in the case involving the abortion providers lawsuit against Texas. The issues that the court will be deciding are whether those suits basically can proceed. That is, whether the United States can name the Texas as a defendant, whether the providers can name the various state officials as defendants. Um, the court also set those cases to be heard on an extremely expedited basis, setting the cases to be argued on Monday, November 1st. That is a mere 10 days after the grant. Um, when you think back, Right, the schedule of this case calls to mind and resembles the schedule from Bush versus Gore when the Supreme Court granted certiorari, I think, on December 9th and decided cases on December 12th, you know, in the span of a few days. Um, and, and this timeline is, is quite similar. Um, and so we just wanted to talk about, you know, what the court is going to do what we can expect to happen, um, and again, like what issues the the court will actually be deciding in these cases. You know, as the news broke of these two grants, I think there were two types of takes that I was seeing. One was the court has agreed to hear these two challenges, but just to rule on these procedural questions of who gets to sue and who gets to sue whom. And then on the other hand, there were a lot of like, oh, they're going to decide the constitutionality of SB8 kinds of takes. And I understand both responses because this happened quickly, but I think the answer is that neither of those actually totally captures what the court has agreed to do. So it has agreed to answer the specific question of whether the federal government can bring this suit and also whether the providers can bring this suit and bring the suit against the defendants they have sued. But also the question presented in the provider lawsuit, which is the first one that was filed in the court uh, and then was then you know, refiled as a petition for cert before judgment after the court initially declined to intervene, basically asks whether a state can insulate from federal review a law that prohibits the exercise of a constitutional right. So I don't think you can say that the question of the constitutional right will be absent from the court's consideration on November 1st. Is that how you guys read what the court has done? Yeah, I do think that's a fair way to read it. I think we have more clarity about what the court did not do as opposed to what they did do. And one thing that they did not do that was requested was that they did not enjoin 
Texas SB 8, the law that prohibits abortions at six weeks. And the decision not to do that, and again, the law has been in effect for almost two months now, it's going to be two months soon, uh, prompted a very spirited concurrence slash dissent from Justice Sotomayor, who, again, reprised her earlier objections to this law and recounted the very real human costs of having the law go into effect in Texas. So uh, it is notable that she is the only member of the court to actually lodge an objection to the fact that the court has not taken steps to correct the deprivation of constitutional rights in Texas that has been going on and continues and will continue until the court decides this case. I think that's right that there obviously will be some questions about the merits of SB 8 that will enter into the court's analysis of whether either or both of these lawsuits can proceed. But I think it is also technically correct that the questions that the court has said it is going to decide do not encompass whether SB 8 violates the Constitution, um, although, again, that might affect their analysis about whether these lawsuits can proceed. Um, I did want to make one comment directed at our fanboy, Samuel Alito. Who we which, know is listening. We know is listening, which is back when he was giving his angry tirade about the emergency docket, he noted that it was, quote, unreasonable, insane, and impossible that the court could have granted oral argument or heard oral argument in the cases regarding SB8. Well, look what happened now. All of a sudden, the court realized it can schedule argument on an expedited basis and hear argument on these issues before issuing an opinion. But the other thing is, you know, I think there are serious questions about, well, what can we read from this, you know, and specifically the refusal to actually vacate the Fifth Circuit's stay and leave the injunction against SB 8 in place while the court hears this case. One thing to note is it is a rule of Supreme Court convention that it takes four votes to grant certiorari in a case, whereas it would take five to actually vacate the stay that the Fifth Circuit issued and reinstate the injunction against SB 8. I think it's safe to say we probably know where the four votes to grant cert would have come from, from the four justices who indicated they would have granted an emergency injunction against SB 8. That is the Chief Justice, Justice Sotomayor, Justice Kagan, and Justice Breyer. Um, none of the other justices were willing to give what is sometimes known as the courtesy fifth vote, that is to grant a stay while the Supreme Court considers certain issues. This was a custom that sometimes developed in death penalty cases. This was also something that Justice Breyer did in a somewhat controversial example where he gave a fifth vote to stay a lower court opinion that had allowed Gavin Grimm to use the right bathroom um, while he was attending high school, um, you know, before the Supreme Court actually decided the underlying legal questions in his case, challenging the school's, you know, requirement that he use a different bathroom um, rather than the one that corresponded with uh, his gender identity. Anyways, so there wasn't a fifth vote for a stay, um, but neither did Justice Breyer or Justice Kagan or the Chief Justice 
join Justice Sotomayor's dissent from the stay. And so different people are reading different things into this. That is, some people say, well, this is a sign that Justice Breyer or Justice Kagan think there's some possibility that there could be a fifth vote to enjoin SB8, and they don't want to alienate those justices now by joining a dissent. And I think other people say, no, the fact that there isn't a fifth vote to vacate the stay is a sign that there aren't five votes to enjoin SB8. Um, I don't think, you know, there is a correct way to read the tea leaves. Um, I think it is possible, you know, we could get five votes to say the United States lawsuit against Texas can proceed. But I'm not reading one thing or another into the fact that the court granted the case, heard it on an expedited basis, but also didn't grant the stay. Yeah, I think the one thing we know for sure is that Justice Sotomayor is incandescent with rage about the fact that none of her colleagues would grant that oh, yeah. vote, right? And so especially in the last couple of paragraphs of her separate writing, it's just like, it's not a game. It's not abstract. Yes, it's only 10 days. But there are people, women in Texas, she says, who became pregnant, you know, when SB8 took effect. Some of them don't even know they're pregnant now. If they do find out, they're not going to be able to, to exercise their constitutional right to abortion. And she says, you know, look, people are going to make journeys or not and carry to term pregnancies against their wishes or resort to dangerous methods of self-help. You know, she says because of the court's failure to act today, that relief, if it comes, will be too late for many. Yeah. Right. Once again, I dissent. So to Leah's point, even if somehow there is a fifth vote that – I mean, I guess that allows the United States to proceed – the harm is already irreparable. Yes. And I think that is the point that she is making. Yes. Strict Scrutiny is brought to you by Americans United for Separation of Church and State. Oklahoma recently approved the nation's first religious public school. You heard that correctly, a religious public school. If you've paid attention to the Supreme Court over the past few years, you probably noticed a trend. The Supreme Court's ultra-conservative faction gutted church-state protections in order to funnel public money to private religious schools. Oklahoma is Christian nationalist's latest test case, a blueprint for other conservative states to follow. Americans United for Separation of Church and State saw the dangerous precedent a religious public school would create across the country and promptly filed a lawsuit to stop St. Isidore of Seville Catholic Virtual School in Oklahoma. This is the latest effort to blur the lines between church and state. Taking tax money and directing it to a religious school that will indoctrinate students into a faith with plans to discriminate against anyone who doesn't adhere goes against the founding principles of our country. Americans United will keep fighting for freedom without favor, equality without exception. Keep up with this issue at au.org. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Hey, everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. 
If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. I do think, though, that maybe this is a situation where Breyer and Kagan are, are doing, I, I guess, a species of the kind of appeasement move that we've seen yeah. in some of the First Amendment cases. Like, you know, if, if there is room for compromise, like we want to be there and we want to look receptive to it. And, and I get that. But, but I think you are right, Kate. It seems like Justice Sotomayor really has no like behold my field of F's for it is barren and I, I have none left. And I, I think that's kind of where she is. And I, I just want to say like, if Justice Breyer and Justice Kagan don't get that fifth vote for the proposition that either the providers or the United States can sue Texas to enjoin this flagrantly unconstitutional law, I also want to see zero fucks, right? In all of those writings. It'll be a major Neville Chamberlain kind of moment. Um, <laughs> and then, like, I, I really would hope that they would behold their field and and find it to be bare. Can I ask a question about timing? So they've obviously decided to move in an unusually expeditious fashion to schedule oral arguments. Does that suggest that they're going to decide the case on a similarly expedited timeline? I mean, you would think so. But again, their failure to grant a stay suggests they don't feel like there is an emergency that needs to be addressed right now. So I don't know what constraint they will feel under to actually release the opinion. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I I just don't know. Like pre-Dobbs? Because like, like, Dobbs is December 1. Like, could it, you know, do you have a feeling of, of whether they would like to get it disposed of, you know, before Dobbs or they're just both going to be hanging out there like for the whole winter and spring? Like, what do you I, think? I, I don't know. But the, the one thing I do want to say about Dobbs is, you know, that is the challenge to Mississippi's more traditionally structured abortion restriction, which prohibits abortions more than 15 weeks after a person's last period. And so let's say the court decides SB8 and says this lawsuit can proceed or can't, that will leave it to still decide the merits question. And if they do what I think we are expecting them to do in Dobbs, which is say states can ban some abortions before viability, that is just because a state prohibits abortions before viability doesn't mean that's unconstitutional, or explicitly comes out and overrules Roe and Casey, that could mean the lower courts on remand are free to say, even while this lawsuit can proceed against Texas, the law is ultimately constitutional. Um, and so it won't be some great institutional compromise if the Supreme Court says one of these lawsuits can proceed but this Mississippi statute is constitutional because we are broadly refashioning the law on abortion. I want to say this, and I will probably say this like a million times over just so it gets in the brains of commentators who will be attempting to translate these rulings to the public. Um, but it, yeah, anyways, I think that is important to understand for now. I mean, I, I guess this is just a basically a watch the space kind of moment. So um it's great that the court can move quickly and with a sense of purpose and urgency, 
I love it. You love to see it. Um, but where this cashes out, I think is still very much a mystery. Yeah. And then I did want to note one possibility, which is, let's say there is that hypothetical fifth vote to say either the United States lawsuit or the provider's lawsuit can proceed against Texas. Do you think Sam Alito will harbor decades of rage against that person to the same extent he obviously has some unresolved feelings about the chief justice and the chief justice's vote in the Affordable Care Act case? Like, is he still going to be holding a grudge if either Justice Kavanaugh or Justice Barrett say this lawsuit can proceed against SB8? I hope simply from a place of vanity that he doesn't, because that kind of rage just produces wrinkles. And I would hate to see his smooth, dewy visage just desiccated. I think he just, it's its maybe not just Gorsuch who can keep a burn book, but Alito <laughs> may need to start one of his own. And maybe there'll be multiple entries. These are some of the things we will be watching for, whether the court overrules Roe, whether the court allows a suit to challenge a flagrantly unconstitutional law, and whether Sam develops some additional wrinkles because of some... Or it's looking his age, because right now <laughs> he looks literally two decades younger than he should. Well, as we said, stay tuned. Watch this space. Reggie Jean, is that my coffee? Thank you. <laughs> From Duncan? <laughs> the people's coffee. <laughs> um, he's the best intern. He's the best. <laughs> Thanks to our producer, Melody Rowell, for editing this spontaneous copy. Thanks to Eddie Cooper for making our music. Thanks to Strict Scrutiny intern Reggie Jean Page for keeping us sane in these challenging times. And thanks, as always, to Sam Alito for listening. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. (laughs) 